are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are. right on radio my name is jeff and today is sunday 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 where we do our weekly bible study and just a quick announcement for you i cannot guarantee that there will be a sunday show next weekend next weekend is a long holiday weekend and I do have plans. I may be able to record something in the meantime or have someone contribute. I've reached out to someone who said they would do it originally, but they have not confirmed. Uh, So uh, if there is no show, I'll probably write something in Telegram 
uh, indicating that prior to the weekend. My apologies if there isn't, but I will try to put something up for you. It would not be live, however, uh, unless things change. <laughs> Uh, also, I just want to remind you that this show is listener supported. If you appreciate the work I do and you actually want to help grow this ministry uh, with some resources, we could definitely grow. I could, in, I need some new equipment. Um, there are some things that I would like to do, uh, but only the Lord supplies and perhaps the Lord will supply through you. There are links in the description. Thank you kindly for prayerfully considering. Um, today's word, as God's word always is, the timing is impeccable. It's impeccable. You know, when we call it the living word of God, it truly is alive. And no matter how many times you've been through the Bible or been through different passages, the Lord reveals something new. His love is new every morning to you. And if there's ever been a time to be in the Word of God, it's now, I think, more than any time in the past. And it's going to escalate. That's a promise from God <laughs> that uh, we're going to need to do it as the world goes farther and farther away from God. And this particular chapter, again, it's Paul writing to Timothy, but it is God writing to you. And just always keep that in mind. It's God's instruction to you. This chapter has so much in it. Um, the first half is really a description of the world, and the second half is a description of how we are to live in the world, how to live right in the real world, uh, to coin a phrase. <laughs> and what's interesting to me, <laughs> you know, I had studied this before, and I always study again uh, prior to showtime. And then I went out and walked my dog, and I have a dog analogy for you. And I know most of us are, are pet lovers, at least in, in the immediate community. <laughs> that we all love our animals. And my dog is a great example of this chapter. I can't wait to tell you how. <laughs> um, you know, God loves our animals too, right? Yes, he does. And he loves for us to love our animals, and they are gifts to us. So let me just open with a quick prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, which lives inside this temple that we have given us. Lord, and although we are not perfected yet, uh, we're convicted of our sins because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Lord, before we had the Holy Spirit, sin was nothing to us. It was nothing to me. I didn't think twice about it. But Lord, your word is alive in us. And we read your word with the Spirit of God living inside of us, which means you give us the interpretation of your word. And I pray that this morning, that you give each and every one your interpretation through your Holy Spirit, a personally curated message that speaks to each and every one, as each one of us is going through many different things. And we're going through them, everyone in the world goes through things, Lord, but we go through them differently because we belong to your kingdom now. And Lord, we have overcome the word, the world by the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are still in the world. 
but we are called out of the world, and most people could not understand that. But we do. Bless your name. So, Lord, I pray you minister to us. I pray that you bring the right people to hear this message. And, Lord, I pray you give me your words to say, Lord, in fact, I just pray you shut this person of Jeff down and I give the Holy Spirit permission to fully engage through me and to take over. That is my prayer, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray this in my Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm so glad you are here with us today. Um, glad to see people in the live chat. I don't look at it much while recording or while doing the show, although I do try, tend to glance at it, but I try not to be distracted. But if you do have a message for me or a correction for me, because um, I don't get everything right, uh, please put it in caps and it'll stand out. Otherwise, I always will read the entire chat log before I uh, close it out. Um, there was something else I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got a couple great shows coming up, a uh, couple great guests, and uh, one of them I'm working on, I just want to let the... Uh, cat out of the bag, so to speak. Um, Cisco has not been on the show in a while, and her sister is coming to visit her today, and I pray her sister is with her long enough that uh, I would like to get Cisco and her sister on the show together. Um, I've talked to Cisco about it, and uh, I just think it would be a real blessing and it would answer a lot of questions about Cisco and her ministry, her love of God. Um, so if you would just join and pray that that would happen, I think we would all be blessed by it. So uh, there you go. Let us dip into the word of God. I'm going to read the chapter, which is fairly short, but then we'll start to break it down. I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I read the New American Standard Bible, which I find to be a really good translation. There's many good translations. This is just one that I have grown to prefer. Um, I also read the King James as well. Uh, those are the two that I go to uh, mostly. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such people as these. For among them are those who slip into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as 
Jans and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed truth. Men of depraved mind, worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be obvious to all, just as it just as was that also of Jans and Jambres. Now you, beloved, I had to slip that in. Now you followed my teaching. Conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil people and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from who you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. Lord, bless the reading of your word. What an amazing message. You know, I don't feel the need to go too deep or controversial in this. And there's a couple spots that could certainly be controversial. But I think if we go too deep into this one, we'll lose the point. So let's take a surface level level look at this. And by the way, that must be the Holy Spirit because I was prepared to go deep <laughs> on a couple spots. The first thing that I believe the Lord of hosts wants you to know in fact, his word says it right here. But realize this. The implication is he wants you to know this. That in the last days, difficult times will come. Do you remember the study we did on John 15? a week ago or so because you're not part of the world. The world will hate you. If the world doesn't hate you, um, you might want to double check some things in your life. So this is actually prophetic because this was written 2000 or so years ago. And he's talking about the last days. Now, they thought they were in the last days back then, but uh, the implication is that the last days are still to come. So therefore, I deem this as being a prophetic word from Paul. And as we read through it, it turns out to be absolutely prophetic. Because Paul 
is discussing the future, but what do we see? Let me just read these couple verses, starting in verse 2. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents. I don't think that happened in centuries before. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than loving lovers of God, holding a holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power. Avoid such people as these. Perhaps someone in the live chat would uh, be so kind to tell me which one of those does not apply to today. Come on, out, out of the 20 things that are mentioned here, certainly there has to be one that does not apply to today. I don't see it. So again, what is the implication? The implication is we're in the last days. I think it's pretty obvious. Throughout the centuries, many of these um, verbs have been evident in history. Certainly brutal, haters of God, gossip's always been around. But not like now. And when I was studying earlier, when it said people will be lovers of self. And what came to my mind was this whole New Age movement. <laughs> it's actually ancient age movement. But lovers of self conceded. In the church today, people are unknowingly being taught that they are God. They don't know that's where the message is heading. I'm, of course, I'm speaking of the NAR movement, the Latter-day Reign movement, the Word of Faith movement. They're all part of the same club. And in that, you know, how many of you have heard the saying, because it's extremely popular today and there's this self-improvement thing that's been huge over the last you know, 50, 60 years in particular. Well, <clears throat> really going back to um, Think and Grow Rich, which was, uh, you know, Napoleon Hill. And there's a bunch of other stuff, but, you know, D Napoleon Hill in modern times really started this thing off. And, you know, you have to, they say, they say, this is different than what the word says. They say that you have to love yourself first before you can love others. So it says right there, for people will be lovers of self. <clears throat> and they say, how can you give out love if you don't love yourself? This is perhaps one of the greatest lies and contradiction to God's word and provably false 
teachings. It is good to be satisfied with who God made you as. That is good. But when he was still called Lucifer, he was the first that we know of to love himself, wasn't he? And then he spread that message to Adam and Eve. Said, love yourself. It doesn't matter what God said. You'll be like God. Love yourself. Boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Unholy. Just check out that word. The very definition of it is so simple. I don't need to look it up. You don't either. It's the opposite of God. Without self-control, haters of God. How many people in the church right now that are following the seven mountain mandates and all that stuff think they love God, but they actually hate his word because they're going exactly in the opposite. They're saying, no, I have to be God. I will fix this. I will prepare the way for Jesus Christ. That's what that doctrine says. And you'll ascend. These people hate God. When someone talks about Christ consciousness these days, and it, actually, where where is it? Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, because they're putting the power in themselves. They're loving themselves enough to ascend. These people are haters of God. Do they have a form of godliness? Look at the pastoral council that had surrounded Trump. These people come in the name of Jesus Christ. They came having a form of holiness, but they hate God. That's a bold statement, folks. But the word proves it to be true. So again, this is clearly describing today. That's going to be upsetting for many, especially because in the very first verse, it says in the last days, difficult times will come. But don't forget We are God's children. We will not suffer the wrath of God. He will sustain you. He will never give you a situation that you cannot overcome in faith through him. It's going to look bad, folks. And I was having a conversation with uh, a gentleman on Friday. And, you know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible comes from the book of Acts with Stephen going to get stoned. And, uh, you know, Stephen's facing a bunch of dudes who are going to hurl rocks at him. Horrible way to die. That's painful. <laughs> it's painful in, on so many levels. But he was faithful. And right, right at that crucial moment, God stepped in and he saw what was purposed for him. I don't think he felt pain. I don't think so. 
I don't know for sure. But God is able. And then these people that he describes, it says, for among them are those who slip into the households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. Later on, it picks on men. <laughs> Why does it say women instead of men here? If my words are being led by the Holy Spirit, I say if, you tell me if they're not. I believe it's because women think more emotionally than men. And you're made that way. You're made that way purposefully. And so you would balance out a man. But when, and women are more susceptible to this than men are, just because of the way you were created. And the clue is... Uh, led on by various impulses. Impulses are emotional reactions. So there's a warning to you, ladies. Do not forget what the word of God says and be led on by your impulses. And it goes on further to describe the woman, and it's not all women, okay? You can't make a blanket statement on every single person. But in verse 7, it says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. So understand this. These are not born-again women. These are women who are seeking God. Because when you're born again, you are given knowledge, you're given discernment, you're given patience, you're, giving, you're given the ability to suffer in Christ, which is patience, long-suffering. And just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind, worthless in regard to the faith. Now, see, he picks on men here. Men typically are made to think a little bit more logically, not to feel as much, because a man being the head of the household needs to be able to, do, to work in his office. And that's why we're made differently. A woman brings that compassion out of a man. And so it guides, a, a, you know, a man should never forego the counsel of his wife. Never. And so she brings that balance. But he needs to be able to say, okay, I, I know there's hurt here, but it's right to go this way where a woman might have be filled with more compassion. But men, and there's no arguing this, are more subject to having depraved minds. A double-minded man. You cannot, and this is just to the men, and there's some probably unsaved watching this. You cannot serve two masters. And when you have a double mind, you just, you're never going to succeed. 
in the things that you were purposely built for. And even saved men can have depraved minds. The good news is once you get saved, you know you have a depraved mind. And then it's the process of emptying yourself, giving it to God, and letting God replace that stuff in you with his goodness. So those with the depraved mind, it's worthless in regard to the faith, and they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be obvious to all, just as it was to Jans and Jambres. Now we get on to the good part. Remember, Paul writing to Timothy, God writing to you. Now you followed my teaching, Lord speaking to you. Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, purpose, living a purposeful life, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings. Such has happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. So he gives a few examples that Timothy was aware of. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. The Lord was faithful to him every single time. Paul, possibly the greatest apostle, um, certainly wrote most of the New Testament. Can one man make a difference? Well, I'd say Paul did. By as close to you can, I think Paul of all people came as close to submission to God as a human could. He so, he was completely sold out. And so Paul is saying to Timothy and God is saying to you that follow his teaching. And Jesus, obviously, the ultimate example. Who are we to live like? Jesus. Maybe trying to live like Paul might be a more attainable goal. Because <laughs> Paul even, you know, says, I have this thorn in my eye. <laughs> or thorn in my side, you know, um, Paul still had sin. He called himself the chief of sinners, not to justify sin, but let's have an honest conversation. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We are convicted by the Holy Spirit. I was going to give an example of my dog. Actually, I'll just do it now. It's, it was really obvious to me. So most of you know the story of my dog, if you've been listening for a while. I have an Akita, a very, very powerful breed of dogs. Um, my last dog was, you know, 140 pounds and Boomer at his peak physical condition was 85 pounds, but he was four times as strong as my last Rottweiler. And an Akita is such a powerful dog, they can actually kill bears. It sounds unbelievable, but it's true. And Boomer was a rescue. He... We don't know his exact story, but the clues were obvious that we got him. He was approximately three and a half years old. 
and he had been thrown into a shelter in northern Quebec, uh, number one kill shelter in Canada. Um, it's all Indian country there, and we figure that, you know, the Indians didn't want to kill him, but he was probably killing a lot of their chickens and stuff like that, and uh, so they put him in this shelter. And when I got him, he he desperately wanted to be saved. He desperately wanted to be rescued. When he was at a foster home, uh, he was there for about two weeks. They put an ad up. I saw the ad. I, as soon as I saw this dog, I knew he had to be my dog. We went to meet him, and he sat down right next to my wife. <laughs> Smart move. Because I already wanted him. I had my mind made up. But he went and he sat right next to my wife and sat there calm, leaned in on her. She looked up at me and she goes, I guess we're taking him, right? But, you know, within the first week, um, I saw him kill a, a few different animals. And when I would look into his eyes, he was part of the world that he knew. He had his eyes. He was a cold-blooded killer. He knew how to kill. He thought nothing of it. He didn't think, oh, if I kill this animal, what about her little babies? Or he didn't, there was no compassion in him. He needed to survive. And that's the way when you're driven by greed, when you're driven by all these different things that the world is. But my dog, by me feeding him, walking him, loving him, not just me, my family, my neighbors, my dog has come to faith. And in many ways, I've become his God. I provide for him, and I provide for him faithfully. He knows he's going to get breakfast. He knows he's going to get dinner. He knows he's going to get a snack in the middle. He knows that he's going to get walked. He knows he's going to be loved. And even when he has been naughty, I have never, ever used physical force to discipline him. I've loved him. And he trusts me because of that. Now, have I got a little bit aggressive when he didn't come back when I called him? Yeah, only, but only on the chain. And I made him walk. Perfect. You know, no, 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 no. You're not getting an inch away from me. But we have a trust level now that is incredible. And when I look into his eyes now, and they say the eyes are the window to the soul, his eyes are completely changed. It's like he's born again. And it's these little things in life that we see the parallels, and God gives us these clues and this goodness to see it. It's just such a great contrast. And this is how we are. Because we know that God will provide for us, even in these troubling times that are coming. We know that God is faithful to his word. He cannot break his promises. We know we will go through difficult times, but we know God will be there. Verse 12, indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil people and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So God's telling us we will be prosecuted but ones who are pretending to be like us 
will go from bad to worse. So those who are out there preaching these false doctrines, is it becoming more evident to us who belong to God on the narrow path? You see how God is faithful to his word? Are you seeing it? God speaking directly to your life. If if he answered my prayer and I said it with faith that he would, then he's speaking to you in personal conviction and where you are right now in your walk is the spirit of God revealing these things more and more to you that you need to be on the narrow path and not be going through the wide gate as these others are. Because the ones going to the wide gate will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. God is telling you this will happen. Verse 14, you, however, beloved, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from who you have learned them. Not from Jeff, not from Paul the Apostle, although both could be true at the same time, but it's from God. God has appointed me. He had foreknowledge that I would be sitting here reading this on this day. He knew that Paul would be writing that letter to Timothy on this day. And... Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. You know the verse in the Bible where it says, faith comes from the hearing of the word? I just, just This just popped in my mind. Why does it say that? Why doesn't it say reading of the word? Because certainly that's true. When you read the word, although you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are being ministered to, and you can believe it. But why does faith come from hearing the word of God? Because nobody has all of the scriptures. God has knitted us together so that we need each other. It's to, if you want to get the most out of God, you need to be with other believers. And when you're with other believers and you hear them recite the word of God with faith, so you know, or I hope you know, that when I am reading these words to you, I believe them. So you who are listening to me read the word of God, also knowing that I believe this in faith, builds your faith. You're not out on an island by yourself. So hearing the word of God helps you build your faith because you're listening to other saints who also Believe it. You're not on your own. This kingdom game is not a solo sport. Wow. That was not in my study notes, folks. I pray that came from God and that helps edify you and help you grow. So not only immerse yourself in the word, but immerse yourself in hearing the word. Hallelujah. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, this scripture speaks to me, folks. My parents were atheists. Everyone around me was atheists. I never went to church. But from childhood, I knew about God. And he spoke to me when I was, I think I was 10, 9 or 10. I think I was 10. He spoke to me and he gave a promise on my life. 
I went and told my parents. They didn't believe me. <laughs> but they didn't discourage me from it either. Hallelujah. And I guess I knew back then that I'd be saved. I just didn't know what my path was. And because you were chosen from the beginning, I'll bet you each one of you has the same thoughts. Some of you were raised in the church, so certainly that would apply to you. Some of you weren't, but you're saved now, and you probably knew that you'd be saved at some point in time. Wow. Verse 16, this is really important, particularly today. Remember, for in the last days, it'll be like this. And he gave all the negative stuff in the first half of the chapter. And now is the second half of the chapter, which is your instructions. And not every one of you is a preacher. I don't even consider myself a preacher. I just consider myself a servant. But verse 16, all scripture, not some of it, that's the key point here, is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching. How come there's churches that don't teach parts of the Bible? If you go to one of those churches, why not ask your pastor or priest, <laughs> heaven forbid, um, why he doesn't teach, and I assume it's a he, <laughs> if not, it's a bigger problem. How come you don't teach on this? How come you don't teach on abortion? How come you don't teach on homosexuality? How come you don't teach on faithfulness and marriage between a man and a woman? Because you're supposed to for rebuke. <laughs> oh, but someone in the congregation might have had an abortion and I don't want them to feel bad. No, I don't want them to feel bad either, but I speak out against abortion because I want that person to be set free from it. The blood of Christ washes away all sin. <clears throat> by believing God condemns that, and by repenting, you get set free. So do these wolves in sheep's clothing do not want people to be set free from it? You need to rebuke it. It's for correction. So you rebuke it and you correct it. You wash it in the blood of Jesus Christ. You get set free from that. Correcting is an acknowledgement that it was incorrect, and now I'm going to go this way and never do it again. And by rebuking and correcting, get this, for training in righteousness. Do you want to be righteous? You need to train to be righteous. You're not made righteous the immediately a second you got saved. You need to train. How do you train? It already says it. It says rebuke and correct. Repent. How do you know it if these wolves in sheep's clothing don't preach it? Verse 17, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. So it just ends on a good godly promise to you. So you'll be fully capable fully capable. Remember, God will never give you a challenge in your life that you are not equipped to overcome. So he's saying you're fully capable 
read between the lines, turn to him. You are capable through Christ because once we come out of the world, we are put into his kingdom and everything we do, and if we really want to overcome whatever situation it is in life that he throws at you, you're fully capable because now you know who your Lord is. And when you know who your Lord is, he equips you. And does it say for some good works? No. For every good work, man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. You know, sometimes people just read through these chapters and think that Oh, it's just basic instruction. Yeah, I get that. World is bad. We're called to be good, and they go on with their lives. But do you really hear what the Lord is saying to you? Take time with the scriptures, not only reading and studying, but listening. And as your faith builds up, faith means the belief in things yet unseen. And you are saved by faith. All these things happen by faith, by your belief in God, your belief in God's promises to you. So no matter what you're facing right now, believe that God is able, believe that you are equipped and it's good works. Because even the things that the enemy meant for evil, and it's not always the enemy, folks. Too many Christians blame the devil for everything. The biggest obstacle in this world is you. (laughs) It's your flesh. You were born into sin. Your parents didn't teach you to lie. You did that first one on your own. I can guarantee it. Even though your parents might have been liars, they didn't teach you to lie before you told your first lie. Wow. I just love these Sunday shows. And I feel very edified doing them. I must admit... Um, I'm a selfish person, and I wish I could be selfless. I probably serve God for selfish purposes. But I would only know that by the Holy Spirit. So, first we have to admit things. We need to rebuke things. We need correction. Uh, may the Lord bless each and every one of you. And, uh, oh, I'm just going to look. Oh, okay. Preach it. That was in caps. So that was an agreement. Thank you, Wendy. I'm only looking for caps here to see if I messed up anything. Because I'll tell you, the, a lot of the people in this community know the word of God much better than I do. Well, praise the Lord. Hey, God bless each and every one of you. And just a reminder, um, this is a listener-supported show. Links are in the description. Uh, I appreciate you prayerfully considering supporting the show. May God bless each and every one of you. And uh, in the meantime, remember to love your God, love your family, as difficult as that may be at times. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. Saved or unsaved, it does not matter. And please, all those good works that are discussed here in the very last sentence, good works will make a difference in your community.